Good morning and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a vision for you big book study. My name is Nancy P. I'm recovered from West Newton, Massachusetts. Uh, I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from West Newton, Massachusetts. Today is Wednesday, um, the 27th of April. And today we're reading from the big book and we're at page XXX, the sixth paragraph. This beginning with this immediately precipitates us into a seething cauldron of debate ending with most chronic chronic alcoholics are doomed, reading and commenting on just the one paragraph. Today's readers are Reva P, uh, Lisa H, and Leslie W. Lisa H was unable to get through, so Leslie W is going to take over the second reader position. Terry J is reading the 12 steps. Joni C is reading the 12 traditions. Susan S.H. is the newcomer greeter, and Barbara P. is the host for the second hour. The reference numbers for Tuesday, April 26th, are 7 a.m., 18,884, that's 18884, and the 10 a.m. Um, conference ID is 1-8-885-18,885. Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At A Vision for You Big Book Study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Terry J. to read the 12 steps. Terry J. Press star one. I'm here. I'm here. Good morning. Terry J. in Michigan, the 12 steps of Overeaters Anonymous. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, were entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people whenever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. And 12, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message 
to the compulsive overeaters and practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you. Thank you so much, um, Terry J. I will now ask Joni C. to read the 12 Traditions. Good morning. This is Joni C. from Minnesota, gratefully recovered, and but not in fear. Uh, number one, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is the desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, Every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, and the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. 11. Our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, film, television, and other public media communication. And 12. Anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personality. Uh, have a great day, everyone. Thank you, Joni C. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star 1 to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star 1 to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speaker should be muted. Today we resume our study of the big book on page XXX, the sixth paragraph, beginning with this immediately precipitates us into a seething cauldron of debate, ending with most chronic alcoholics are doomed, reading one paragraph only. I will ask Reva P. to begin reading. Good morning. This is Reva P., grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater, currently traveling back to Toronto. Uh, This immediately precipitates us 
into a seething cauldron of debate. Much has been written pro and con, but among physicians, the general opinion seems to be that most chronic alcoholics are doomed. Um, so this, what is this? Um, this is the suggestion of entire abstinence, refraining from my alcoholic foods, ingredients, behaviors, um, anything that sets up that phenomenon of craving where I get the craving after I've ingested it. So this is telling me um, that it's tempting to debate. And what's debate to like argue pro and con? You know, um, maybe I can have a little bit of my alcoholic food. Maybe I can have it after a year, a decade, a couple of decades. Maybe this time it'll be different. Maybe now it's really not a, pro not a problem anymore. All of that stuff, I can start having a debate. And it's telling me that if I start debating, um, that's part of why I'm doomed because what it just told me before and several times before that um, is that I can't that I am different physiologically. And just like anybody else with an allergy, when I'm allergic, I'm allergic. And the allergy, I don't outgrow this allergy. And I've just been away from home. My allergy doesn't take a vacation. Like it's just a given. That's just part of my physiological makeup right now. Um, and the other reason why I'm doomed is because unlike people who just have an allergy and they just don't ingest that substance at all, uh, my mind tells me that it will be different, that I can just have a little bit, that I'm really on edge and it's been really stressful and I need a little bit of something to give me some comfort and it won't bother me this time. So it's telling me the same thing over and over and over again. Um, and only because I was so beaten and I tried it and I tried it and it didn't work um, did I end up saying, okay, I need to follow these suggestions. Um, and with that, I pass. Thank you, um, Reva P. I want to um, just stop for one second and say to anybody, um, I don't know how to say this, but the people are having a lot of trouble getting through. I don't know if they can get on through their computers or whatever, but I'm getting a lot of text. So if anyone knows, if anyone's asking you, please tell people that, you know, there are several people that are having trouble. Okay, that said, we'll move on to um, taking names. Um, Although we value your experience, we ask that you limit your share to every third day so that others may share their experience too. So that means if you've shared today is Wednesday, if you shared Monday or Tuesday, please step back and let somebody else have a chance. And who would like to share on that wonderful paragraph? Kathy S. Terry J. Kathy S. Terry Dara J. Dara L. Dara. Ken W. H. Ken. Take a couple more. Lisa B.T. Lisa B.T. Any, anybody else? Okay, we'll start there. Kathy S. And what is your state? Oh, you're from... Um, Georgia. Yep. Okay. <laughs> Thanks, Go right ahead, Kathy. Sure. Sure. This is Kathy S. Recovered compulsive overeater from Georgia. And um, yeah, I wanted to share on this paragraph because it is 
it's so relative to my experience. And first of all, uh, again, this paragraph, it immediately precipitates, which means throwing us into the seething cauldron of debate. Again, it just feels like more fighting, violent kind of language. And, and what I've learned is when my own head is in debate, it's because I'm in self-will. I am not surrendered. I'm not humble. And even, you know, I, it was my experience in going to rehab and for eating disorders. I didn't understand the physical allergy, the mental obsession. And every time I sought uh, professional help, the answer was moderation. You know, they, the debate was that entire abstinence is what created the desire for the binge. Um, this was not my experience. What I found was anytime I moderated, I was guaranteed a binge because I suffer from the physical allergy um, when I ingest that, those particular, my alcoholic foods. And, and entire abstinence was the only thing that ever worked for me. If I just didn't play with that substance, with those substances, I had a better chance of just staying sober. And, and then working the steps is what enabled me to reach this place of freedom. And I'm so grateful. But it was a maddening process because of this debate that that would always happen and and the debate whether it be in my own mind or from again the professionals that i sought help from and and it just it just never worked but when i found that i just surrendered i just trusted my experience i got real um humbled by this disease and 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 just just relaxed and just trusted god and I always came to the same thing. This idea of entire abstinence, it works. It, it worked for other people. Why not just give it a shot? And when I did, I ceased fighting. And that's when God was able to do his work and to give me the power that I needed. And today, I have to practice entire abstinence as, even with my thinking as best I can. And, and when I find myself in, internally in some of that fight language with debate and confusion, I have to pause, ask God for guidance, surrender that I don't know what's best, and just go with where I'm led, just trusting in my higher power that everything's going to work out. And, and it does. And I am calm. I'm out of that confusion and in a place of serenity. So uh, that's all I have to say. Thanks so much. I pass. Thank you, Kathy S. Perfect timing. Terry J. from Michigan. Go right ahead. Followed by Dara from Pennsylvania. Good morning again. This is Terry J. in Michigan. Uh, this is one of my favorite parts of the book. I'm going to say that uh, all the time because it is. It's where I really realized that there was a problem farther than, you know, the credits that don't transfer to this program. And what with the share and the read, I want to thank, uh, first of all, the reader that read the text today and the share prior to me because they said everything that um, I would say because this paragraph pertains so to me. I thought about just connecting the last sentence above that. The only relief we have to suggest is entire abstinence, and this does throw me immediately into 
a seething cauldron because I still want to control some things. I still want to believe that I can control it. I can have a little bit or I can substitute this for that and that for this. And all I can tell you at this point is all my research has failed. The only thing for me is entire abstinence. I can't add a little of this. I don't even want to try a little of that because each time I, see that big I? The big I is moving the God of my understanding, my higher power, out the way. And my higher power, in my case, does not mind. If I want to take the will, be my guest. And I end up surrendering, surrendering, surrendering each time. So I don't want to give up. I don't. But I have to get out the way because there's no other way to live this process because it becomes a lifestyle for the rest of my life. I have several uh, health issues that the uh being a um compulsive overeater affects those diseases so each bite that's outside of my food plan is a bite of pushing me closer to death and that's how i have to relate to this i can't have it soft i can't have it easy i have to keep it real I am literally committing suicide each time I think I can control this. I can't. I'm a mental health professional. Doesn't make any difference, though, when it comes to my disease. I cannot be my own therapist, Just my a reminder. own sponsor. Thank you. My own sponsor or any of the above. I have to do the same thing that I tell my clients to do, and the same things that I hear everyone on this line share that's abstinent, that's recovered for today. Thanks for letting me share. Have a great day, folks. Thank you, uh, Terry J. Dara L. from Pennsylvania, followed by Ken W.H. Oh, great. Thanks so much for your service. I'm Dara L. I'm a recovered compulsive eater in Philadelphia. Um, I was thinking about, you know, being doomed and that being the general opinion among physicians. And I was thinking about, I think I was on my 10th inpatient um, institutionalization for bulimia and a social worker sat me down at the time. I was like, you know, binging and purging 12 times a day. And I was in my early twenties and she said, you're not going to live till 30. You know, you're going to die. And that was the general opinion about me. (laughs) I was doomed. Um, And I think, you know, like many of the people that I sought help with and many of the institutions I went to, they focused on the doom from the outside, right? Like all the consequences that were stacking up in my life as a result of committing suicide with food. And for a long time, I focused on those. I focused on those consequences. and And I thought that was the way that I was doomed. But I think the big book is talking about something else. I think what it's talking about is that I'm doomed because I have an allergy of the body. Like there is something in me that once I start eating certain things, I can't stop and I want more and more and more, you know. And um, and then the obsession of the mind, though, is that even with all of the consequences, I will continue to go back to that. And so I'm doomed on that level. 
The other piece, and this is the piece I deal with as a recovered person, and I'm never going to not deal with this, um, even (laughs) if I stay recovered, which I hope that I do, um, is that I'm doomed on a daily basis because I, I go to my mind for solutions, but my, but I'm mentally ill, you know, I'm mentally, spiritually, and physically ill. And so I'm going to the source of my illness for relief. And whether I pick up the food or not, you know, that's going to remain a challenge for me. It's going to remain something, you know, like the, in the paragraph before it says the only relief we have to suggest is entire abstinence. For me, that's the beginning of the beginning. Like, yeah, I need to be entirely abstinent. And also when I am entirely abstinent, if I'm not treated, I'm insane. Like, I'm a mad woman and I'm doomed whether I'm abstinent or not. Like, I think it's been really important for me to remember that the food is the solution. Like, it's my higher power. It's that thing that gives me relief from the bondage of self. And I think that's where I'm doomed. It's like I put down the, the food is killing me. So I put it down, but then my mind starts killing me. So I pick it up so that, you know, it's a, it's a vicious cycle. And the only way I know to step out of that is to put the food down, to work the steps, to get unblocked, um, you know, from myself and from whatever I believe in, and then to continue to do the work on the daily, on a daily basis to stay unblocked. Um, anyways, I'll pass and thanks so much for your service. Thank you, Dara L. Um, Ken WH, you're up next, followed by Lisa BT. And Ken, please tell us what state you're from. Hi, thanks, Nancy. This is Ken WH, North Carolina. Um, <clears throat> thank you all. A recovered compulsive overeater, not cured. Uh, I'm aware that this is the doctor's opinion being written a long, long time ago now. <laughs> it seems like forever ago. And that in, in his day, um, Alcohol, alcoholism was uh, more understood as a moral issue, and um, basically drunks were written off, and um, he was up fighting an up, uphill battle all the way in his hospital, and, and he stood on the firing lines, and he talked about all the disappointments and the constant loss of, of people that... Uh, watching the devastating effects of uh, alcoholism. And we've come a long way, and I think the medical profession has come a long way too, and yet the debate still probably goes on. Well, let it <laughs> let it roil in its bo- uh, seething cauldron. <laughs> um, they can argue till doomsday. All I know, and it's what I just heard, uh, all I know is that I cannot eat safely certain foods or in certain ways without uh, just losing utter control, complete control, and dooming myself to a slow death. Um, I believe it. I, I'm reading the book. I read the stories. I, I hear you all on the line, and I say, wow, <laughs> this is all true. I'm, so many stories. And yet I'm also hearing so many stories on the other side, that having come into a relationship with a power greater than themselves that has solved their problems, that they are no longer doomed. There's hope. There's always hope. And um, and I find that hope uh, deeply embedded throughout this book. And uh, that's what keeps me coming back, and I'm grateful to be here today. Thanks for your service, Nancy. I pass. 
Thank you, Ken WH from North Carolina, the Tar Heel State. Okay, Lisa BT, you're up, and please tell us what state you're from. Lisa BT, please press star one. Hi, sorry about that. I was chatting away. Um, my name's Lisa BT, and I am from Canada, um, Guelph, Ontario, near Toronto. And very grateful to be here and grateful for the service of having this meeting provided um, by all who serve and are attending. Um, you know, it's so interesting to me that we can listen to this book paragraph by paragraph. Um, year after year and find something new um, or something maybe personally sort of a, a revelation that was not obvious before. And for me, that's what happened this morning. Um, it's that word debate. And I've been in and out of the room since 04. I've never left, but I've certainly been struggling with um, 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 abstinence and maintaining abstinence and I recognize that one of the reasons is that I um, uh, how good at debate I actually am how much time I spend um, sort of convincing myself um, with really very compelling arguments why I can do it my way and what I remembered um, as we were doing the reading this morning was I was in um, grade eight and I had become my weight had started to, to, to really come into my life. I, I was able to get my own food now. I had extra money and so on. And so now I was no longer in what was actually quite a controlled environment in terms of food. And my weight was going up. And I was very self-conscious, very shy. And um, I was the kid who was picked last for all the sports things, you know. And then if, if, if it was my turn to go up to bat, the entire outfield started moving in you know, because they knew nothing much was going to happen. And I remember being, feeling really ashamed by that, not knowing what to do. But then one, one, um, one class session, we were um, assigned um, roles um, in a political debate, and I was given a, a, a part. And in fact, it was a side that I didn't even agree with at all, frankly. But I was really good, and I was voted like the winner of the debate um, because I just was able to use words and, and really present a really compelling argument, skirt around all the details. Like let's just say I was defending like Hitler, for example, it was like something really that, you know, you couldn't really find much good about, but I did and I won. And then, you know, like the, even the cool kids would come up to me and say, wow, you know, and kind of look at me with this, this hint of respect. And I, I don't think I knew until I was listening today to what extent I've actually maintained a great deal of pride in that capacity and my ability to tell myself whatever it is that, you know. That, that, Gentle reminder. Um, thank you. That, um, yeah, you can believe this. Like, look how good you are. So that was just such a great insight this morning, and I'm really grateful for, for that because I know it's insanity. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you so much, Linda BT. Okay, I'm going to take some more names, but first I'll just remind everybody that we're on page XXX, the sixth paragraph, beginning with, this immediately precipitates us into a seething cauldron of debate, 
ending with most chronic alcoholics are doomed, reading just the one paragraph. So again, although we value your experience, we ask that you limit your share to every third day so that others may share their experience too. Who would like to share? Leah S. Beverly F. Judith. Leah S. Judith. Beverly F. Beverly. Rosanne. Rosanne. Amy G. Deborah V. Okay, Okay, Deborah. Okay, who did I miss? Wait, I'll tell you who I have, and then you can tell me who I missed. Leah S., Judith S. P., Beverly, Russ, Amy G., Deborah. Anybody else in there? I think there might have been one or two more. Nancy C. Sigrid F. Nancy C. Nancy C. and Sigrid. Okay. All right, Leah S., you're from New York, right? The Empire State? I am. I am from Brooklyn. Thank you so much. Good morning, everyone. Um, uh, this is this is such a powerful paragraph. It actually is a warning sign. It's a warning to me that um, this is not a joke. This is really not a joke. I came into OA in 81, and I stayed until 85. I lost my weight, and I didn't really um, pick up on the steps. I was on an ego trip, and uh, I battled my entire life with my weight until I came back into to, uh, the rooms in 2012, absolutely broken. What is, what is the debate? The debate is that the food makes, there are certain foods that really soothe me. They do. And I all I would choose to remember is that the soothing. But what happens afterward, I don't want to remember. Afterward, I always gain weight. And then it is spun out of control. It is it is entirely crazy. It gives me a whole a roller coaster all over again. So this is a warning. Do it for one day. Do it for two days. Do it for two years. See what happens to you. These are the steps. The steps are going to make you um, want to live this life and want to stay this way because this is my way of life. And it is, I, I could never, never have imagined what my life is going to be like being abstinent and um, and, and following these uh, steps and this fellowship. And I pass. Thank you, Leah. Uh, Judith S.P. from Maryland, right, I believe? Yeah, hi. <clears throat> Excuse me. This is Judith S.P. from Maryland, recovered gratefully uh, for today. I just want to take one quick second and thank God and thank uh, Bill and Bob and all my forefathers, our forefathers and mothers. This book is unbelievable. It is just unbelievable in so many different facets. I realized a couple weeks ago when I was having some meditation, my mother died when she was 63, um, and uh, her diagnosis at death or her death certificate said uh, blood clots are her lung. And I came to this great awakening a couple weeks ago and say, no, that was just the, the final straw. She died of this disease. She had battled her whole life. And I was in the battle with her as a kid, 
how kids always want to be attached to parents, and I was running around with her observing but not understanding all the ways she tried to control her weight. And for me, abstinence from food is just the beginning. I have so much and had so much emotional wreckage that I was battling. I was battling my loneliness. I was battling my I'm different, nobody loves me, and all the other things that have been mentioned in many, many meetings that I've attended. And so I'm truly grateful that my abstinence is so holistic. It's mental, emotional, physical, and mostly spiritual. The other thing I realized is sometimes there are things that happen in my life, and when they happen, I say, what the heck did that happen for? And then a while down the road, I realize that's why it happened. And when doctors have the audacity, and I say that kindly, they're human beings. And if someone is going to tell another person you are doomed, that means you're on your way to death. And even though there is a way to say this is real serious, but I don't have an answer for you. And because this program radiates spiritual fitness and spiritual strength, it doesn't come from give me a pill, give me a treatment that's going to take this away. It's an inside job that I have to do every day in relationship to my higher power. So I thank this doctor and those that came after him to say, my hands are up. I don't know what to do. You're going to probably end up dead. I don't like that. But what it is, is it shows me I've got to find another path. And that path is going to be led by my higher power, who every day shines the light on me, has created me, and wants me to live Gentle the best reminder. life I can. So with that, I will pass. And uh, I didn't think I was going to share today. Thank you for letting me share. Bye-bye. Thank you, Judith S.P. from Maryland, the free state. Who, Beverly B., and what state are you from? Uh, hello, uh, family. My name is Beverly G. I am oh, from Beverly Durham, G. Yeah, Durham, North Carolina. Thank you, everyone, for being here. Um, well, when I don't get the reminders every day and sometimes all through the day of how I am doomed by this disease, from, from this disease of mind and body, I will go into the food. When I go into the food, I am going to go into insanity delusion. And when that happens, my life will become unmanageable and I will not even know it. Most people live this way. I mean, I really have no right to talk about other people, but that's how I live my life and that's how I live my life every time I think I've got it. My brain wants to say I'm different from you. When I hear a share that talks about people going into rehab, that's not my story. When I hear, you know, when I hear shares that are not mine, my brain, my disease wants to hold on to. That's not me. And uh, and I've been told, you know, when I first came in the rooms, it says this, this program is for people who who need it. And then I started hearing, no, these, this this program is for people who want it. And for me today is this program is for me because and I do it. Do I do it perfectly? No. 
I do it one day at a time with the grace of a loving higher power that I know today that I didn't know. And even when I'm insane, today I know there is a loving higher power. So I was physically doomed. I was told I was physically doomed, and I didn't care. I was emotionally doomed, spiritually doomed. I didn't care. I resisted everything. It's just how I learned to live my life, resist and fight everything. And this program has asked me to just stop fighting and surrender to the good because that's what this program gives me, a good life. It's a lovely life. Is it work? Yes. Is it worth it? Absolutely. Am I worth it? Oh, absolutely. And everybody is. I I believe this is available to all who truly want it and who will do it and who who have a willingness. I know it's not easy to even be willing. So please don't leave five minutes before the miracle happens because there is a miracle in this. Thank you. I pass. Thank you, uh, Beverly G. from North Carolina, the Tar Heel State. Russ M. from the Keystone State, Pennsylvania, Europe. Good morning, Nance. Good morning, family. Russ M. Recover Compulsive over here. Actually, from the state of confusion. That's where I'm from, state of confusion. So uh, looking at this, you know, I was resigned at a very young age, before I even know what compulsive overeating was, that I was doomed at a young age. In my teens, like, I'm going to die young because I can't stop eating. Uh, you know, I didn't know the terminology. Couldn't put my finger on it. And I had teachers blast me. I had doctors blast me. That I'm going to die young if I don't get this under control. And, you know, they even didn't have a solution because they didn't know either. Like, you know, they didn't know like I didn't know. They just thought I was a pig or whatever, you know, just... Didn't take care of myself. They didn't know I couldn't stop. And then I, I, you know, I felt obviously doomed. I felt doomed and despaired for a very long time. Then, you know, I, I think when I hear doomed, how about the guys that start, helped start AA, that drank again, that died in, in with the bottles around them? Even Roseanne, she had a relapse. You know, who started OA. Like, this is a disease that don't give two, you know, it doesn't care how many years you got. It doesn't care, you know, uh, that you're doing great emotionally. It doesn't care if you got money in your pocket. And it's, in a way, we still are doomed if we don't live this life. If I don't live this life, If I don't do this every day, if this is not Russ Montabano, if this is not me, I'm dead. And, uh, you know, I love reading the doctor's opinion because it smacks you in the mouth. It smacks, well, not you. I'm saying me. Because I need it. I need to hear this because, you know, my ego tells me, I got this, man. I might be overthinking this, dog. It's not true. You know, I fear one little degree, I'm dead. And uh, I'm still doomed in right just in sobriety. I got to work this. I got you do got to work this program like your, your hair's on fire. I ain't got no other option. I have no other option. So I'm grateful to to Bill, Doctor Bomb, Silky, and everybody did everything they could, and the ones that died in the addiction, so I could be free. All right, it's enough of my craziness. Have a beautiful day. Love you. Thanks, Nance. Sure. Thanks, Russ, from New Jersey. I didn't know because you were a Sixers fan. I thought it was Pennsylvania. 
Anyway, Amy G, you're up next. And what state are you from? I think you're from North Carolina, Tar Heel State. Good, good morning. My name is Amy G. I'm a recovered compulsive eater from Maryland. Um, impressive about the states there, Nancy. Yeah, it's a free <laughs> state. <laughs> uh, oh, no, it's fine. Anyways, uh, awesome, awesome meeting. Thank you, everyone who shared. You know, in in my humble opinion, this this idea of this debate is is not just about the abstinence. The debate is about the fact that we, as I, as a chronic compulsive eater, uh, am bodily and mentally different than my fellows, and the result of that means I need to be entirely abstinent. I mean, in case all the other shares haven't been clear, and I'll say it for myself to say it, there's no eating my way through the steps, you know, slipping and sliding and hoping that by step 12, I'm going to be abstinent and sane and sober. They're requiring the prerequisite is abstinence because of the physical allergy. I cannot be eating my allergic foods and triggering my phenomenon of craving. That is not going to work for me in this program if I am who I say I am. And and it says it best here on page 30. You know, most of us have been unwilling to admit that we were real alcoholics. No person likes to think he is bodily and mentally different from his fellows. Therefore, it's not surprising that our drinking careers have been characterized by countless vain attempts to prove that we could drink like other people. The idea that somehow, someday, he will control and enjoy his drinking is the great obsession of every abnormal, that's me, abnormal drinker. The persistence of this illusion is astonishing. Many pursue it into the gates of insanity or death. And here we are in the doctor's opinion where he's saying, as a doctor, seeing hundreds upon hundreds of people that are chronic, that were doomed, the gates of insanity or death, without the spiritual remedy of these 12 steps. And that's what this program has done for me. But I had to concede to my innermost self. I live in a world where there's billions of dollar industry that says, oh, just the exercise, oh, you know, find uh, the right diet, you know, dealing with all the symptoms of my illness. That's like putting a Band-Aid on a bullet wound. You know, I'm a one-way ticket to death and insanity if I continue to put those foods into my body and I continue engaging in the mental obsession. But by the grace of my higher power, God, I have a program now where I can concede to my animal self, I can make the decision to decide, to choose, to surrender, and say, this is who I am, and it's never going to change. And one day at a time, I have a solution now that we can join in brotherly and harmonious action and find peace and serenity from this illness. And I'm so grateful I have that opportunity, because without it, I'm sure I would be dead. So with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Amy G. from the Free State of Maryland. Deborah, I got missed your last initial and your state. Hi, it's uh, Deborah V. from the Garden State of New Jersey. <laughs> Thank you, Deborah. <laughs> Go right ahead. Thank you. Um, the word debate reminds me of the constant debate that I had in my head when I was eating, which is, you know, I mean, just a good illustration was why I should eat a potato why I should eat potato chips as my grain and believe it. And um, 
and it, it's just a, a further illustration of the insanity of my thinking and the debates that would go on in my head over and over again, day after day. And the book, this paragraph tells me and predicts that if I continue eating compulsively, that I'm doomed. And I looked it up and it means death, destruction, or terrible fate. Um, doom is an interesting word because I, a lot of you know that I had um, a very serious brain tumor and had neurosurgery um, very recently. And I thought about death a lot and it was a very real possibility. The doctors told me and my family that um, they really weren't sure if I was going to come out of it. And I had realized as I thought about death um, and the possibility of my mortality um, and I've said this before, that I really had never been afraid to die. And my food addiction showed me that. I was aiming for death. And I realized in my spiritual awakening was that I was afraid to live. It's always been my resistance to recovery. My life was always about the food. And I was afraid to live. But I'm here today working on um, these steps because God, because God wants me here. Um, and I believe that he wants us all here. And so my message today to, you know, in my experience to share is that my circumstances don't define my abstinence today. And it doesn't define my faith. And there's no debate for this compulsive overeater today. And I do want to live. And I hope you join me on that, that road for um, that, that road of living. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Deborah V. from New Jersey, the Garden State. Nancy C., um, you're up next, and you're from the Great Lakes. Hey. I know that. <laughs> hey. hey, Nancy, Nancy C., Grateful Recovered Compulsive Reader from Ann Arbor, Michigan, in the Great State Lake, or in the Great Lake State. Um, great discussion today, and I'm so grateful for this meeting. It's so wonderful every day to start out with this hope that if I follow the directions in this big book, and if I listen to what was written by Dr. Silkworth, I have a chance to go to bed today, a recovered woman. Um, you know, I just we were just told that I'm a distinct entity, right? I've just been told if I'm going to do anything, the only thing I have to do is put the food down. Oh, my God, are you kidding? That's insanity. I'm doomed. There is absolutely no way I can put the food down. I, my whole life has been food was my God. I didn't know what to do without it. And if you're telling me the only thing I need to do or what I have to do if I'm going to be saved in, in italics is that I need to put the food down, I am doomed. Um, but thank God. You know, it's like almost like a soap opera here. If we wait till tomorrow, dun, 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 uh, there is a solution. And it's the 12 steps that gets me out from the I. I see this as like a transition. I see it as a bouncing ball going from the I to the we and to the God. And that this is the place where if I agree in my innermost self that I am a compulsive overeater of the hopeless variety and I need to put the food down that there is a solution and it's a God solution and it brings me from that scrap heap and just changes my life unbelievably. I am so grateful for this meeting and for all of you who have held my hand through this journey of recovery 
And you know, relapse does not need to be part of the equation. If we get this right, we get it right. And every day if we practice this, we have got God at our side and our fellows at our side to keep us abstinent and get us through rough going. Um, this is a design for living that is working for me today. And with that, I'm forever grateful. Thanks and I pass. Thank you, Nancy C. Sigrid, I missed your last initial in your state. Sure, Sigrid F. from the Sunshine State of Florida. Okay. And I guess what, Go right ahead. what got me, yeah, thank you. Um, you know, the word doomed is what gets me in this paragraph. All, all during the doctor's opinion, Dr. Silkworth is talking about his wide breadth of experience working with people and how hard he has tried, what tools he has used. You know, he has given, devoted his life to trying to find the solution for these people. And in the doctor's opinion, he's saying, you know, I'm a doctor. You come to me, you have cancer. I'm going to give you the treatment. But I can't do that. I tried. And if you really are a chronic alcoholic, if you really are a chronic compulsive overeater, you're doomed. Because all I can tell you is you have to stop eating. And we all know that's, <laughs> we are doomed if that's all we do. Fortunately, toward the, and we're getting toward the end of the chapter where he gives credence back to the alcoholic and he says that they have something that they need to hold on to. So with all his medical knowledge, he is admitting that he cannot help and his best advice is to be abstinent and that the solution is to talk to another alcoholic and pick up whatever it is we're doing, which of course we know is the step. So thank you, God, for the steps and for this paragraph and for all of you here today. Have a blessed day. Thank you, Sigrid S. Uh, okay, we have five minutes left. Um, if anybody, would, how about two, two and a half minute shares? Anybody, two other My people want to share? From, uh, Larry from California. Larry. Cindy F., North Carolina. Okay, go ahead, Larry. Two and a half minutes. Yeah, my name's Larry, and the way I should announce myself, I'm from the state of beaten into submission, and I need to be beaten into submission to really get it this time. And, um, yeah, you can't scare a drunk straight. It's just impossible. Um, and I've read this before. I've been in OA since 1988, and... It just went right over my head. And I, I came into a vision for you in May of 2020. We were studying the vision for you. And uh, we were studying Bill and Bob were 12-stepping Bill. Bill. And Bill in his hospital said that he was a goner. And I knew I was a goner this time. Uh, and when I got to the doctor's opinion, I, I swear I've, I've highlighted just about every sentence and circled every word and written in the columns. I, I cried to that because for the first time, I really heard the message. Um, I heard the message that, that I'm doomed, and I knew I was doomed. And I, I had, you know, I had been, I had surrendered before. I surrendered before over the 30 plus years I was in LA, but never like this time. And surrender has a really short shelf life. I mean, you, you have a few days, you know, to really get into action, uh, or the, the effect of that surrender begins to diminish. 
Uh, and I got into action. And but what's the difference this time around uh, is my thinking. Um, I'm, I'm using my experience of Alcoholics Anonymous, my uh, experience, strength, and hope, uh, to have a different experience in OA this time around. You know, in AA, I I didn't eat chocolate core candies at Christmas or rum cake. I didn't put bourbon in my barbecue sauce or uh, drink cough syrup with uh, with alcohol in. You would have to waterboard me uh, to put any of those ingredients in my system. And I knew in my mind if I just took one drink that I'd be a goner. But in no way, you know, it was okay for me to eat uh, uh, massive amounts of watermelon with massive amounts of sugar uh, or have when I would sit down and do a food inventory to have a, a yellow food column. Not this time around. And thank God the sponsor who was uh, as, as tough on me as any AA sponsor I had. Um, you know, I read, I read books uh, in OA that were conference approved. Some of them were not conference approved. One of them deals with step uh, six and seven. And I burnt that son of a bitch when I got in a vision for you because that was, that's a good book if you're in a therapy group where there is, a, you know, in, in therapy group there is, uh, there's not an either or, there's a kaleidoscope of colors. But in the big book, Alcoholics there is no kaleidoscope of colors. It is either or. And I'm so glad to be part of this, uh, this enterprise that I pass. Thank you, Larry. Um, C from California, the Golden State. Cindy, um, I didn't get your last initial from North Carolina, Tar Heel State. Hi, Nancy. This is Cindy F. from North Carolina, <clears throat> first in flight, and I'm a Tar Heel. <laughs> um, good morning, family. Um, I introduced myself on a vision for you at the end of last May, May 28th to be exact, and um, came in very broken. I've had almost a year of sobriety, and... You know, I've been listening on this line faithfully every single day, six days a week, except for Saturday morning. And I just have so much gratitude today for um, all the people who who share their hearts, their soul, their their pain on this line every single day. Because what it did for me was it brought me out of the darkness into the light and. Um, and I just feel a lot of gratitude for it. And this weekend I, I cleaned out my closet because I dropped about four sizes in clothing and I was talking with my sponsor about it. And I said, I hate to get rid of these beautiful clothes because they were so expensive. And, and she reminded me, she said, Cindy, they're not your clothes anymore. She's like, you're not that same girl. And and she shared with me that she realized for herself if she continued in this disease, she would only need one dress, and that would be the dress to bury herself in. And and that's the same for me. And I just want to share to the newcomer on the line, if I didn't understand what anybody was talking about when I first came to this meeting. And um, But just hang in there. And you will. And um, there's a lot of hope in the voices of, of recovered fellows and um, the trudge this path before you. So, the fat I passed. Thank you so much. Have a beautiful day. 
Thank you, Cindy. And with that, um, we will the, you'll take us out. And for now, um, I want to thank everybody else who shared. Please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. The share ID for today, Wednesday, the 27th, is um, 18887. That's 18,887. We will now close the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Will Leslie W. please um, take us out? Leslie, read a vision for you. Our book is meant to be suggestive only until, um, keep you until then. Got it. This is Leslie W., recovered in Tennessee. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order, but obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit. And you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.